Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody, this is Brian. I'm back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me Louise Hamblin, and she's the author of a new book that's just out called What's That from Heaven? Um, it is a uh, it's called What's That from Heaven? Bereavement in the 21st Century. And you'll see why we call it Bereavement in the 21st Century. Um, she was a law lecturer at Cambridge University, and she didn't really believe in the afterlife until she experienced the science after the sudden death of her husband. So she's written this book about the science she's gotten, about her grief journey, and about the things that have helped her while she's been going through that journey. So with that, I'd like to welcome to Grief to Growth, Louise Hamlin. Hi, Brian, and thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm really interested to have this conversation with you today. I I know this book just came out. It sounds like a really exciting book. Um, so before, I always like to start when people have had a loved one pass. I don't like to use the word loss. I don't like to use the word death. And it's not because I don't recognize those things exist, but I believe that, that people continue. Um, but I like to start off by you telling me about your husband and, and his life and your relationship with him. Yeah, sure. Well, I met Patrick in 2005. We started living together in 2006, and we got married in 2010. And I can remember on the day of my wedding to him, I was thinking, my goodness me, this is a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I really did believe that. We'd both been married before. We both had children, and neither of us had had great marriages. And when we met each other, it, well, we we slowly began to realize that we were soulmates, and I was so happy with him. He was a barrister, which is like an attorney. Um, he was an alpha male, very, very strong and intelligent and determined, very generous and kind and straight as a die. And I adored him. I absolutely adored him. And what was amazing was he adored me. So it was perfect. Um, And then in the autumn of 2018, we decided to have 
the holiday of a lifetime and go on safari in Africa, which we did. And it was fabulous. And we really enjoyed it. Um, we got back. And Patrick started to have a couple of odd symptoms, went to the doctors, was diagnosed with stage four bile duct cancer, and he was dead within three months. And it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. He had been such a live wire. He'd been so full of energy and so present all the time. And I couldn't believe that he had died. I really couldn't. And I was totally numb from shock and grief. Um, I would gladly have, have died along with him. I really would, because he'd been the centre of my life and he'd been my love. So to start with, as I say, I was numb with grief. And, you know, I just was incapable of doing anything. And the children were wonderful and friends were wonderful and you know, they'd put some food in front of me. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't capable of getting myself a meal. I wasn't capable of doing anything. I just sort of sat like a zombie. And I look back on that time now, and, you know, I can hardly remember it. Mm. I, I somehow must have got up. I somehow must have gone to bed, but I honestly can't remember it. The shock was so deep, it really was. I slowly, slowly started to find strategies to survive. Um, and also, though I didn't believe in an afterlife, and nor had Patrick, I'd never completely closed my mind to it. I mean, before Patrick died, we were discussing his death. And he said, I'm scared of dying, but I'm not scared of death. Because death is either nothing at all, and that's nothing to be scared of. Or he said, if our spirits do survive, well, I think I've led a good enough life for it to be okay. And he had. He was a deeply, deeply good person. He really was. Um, so I guess you could say, if you like, we were both agnostic about it. But mm -hmm. we, both, we both thought that it was unlikely that spirit survived. Hmm. However, I was so desperate to sort of have some contact with him. And I was so worried in case his spirit had survived. And, you know, I wanted to know that he was all right. And so I started going to medium and and also at the same time, friends started sort of approaching me and saying, hey, Louise, you know, I've had a sign which I think was from Patrick. And um, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I was very surprised by you know, how perceptive, if you like, some of the, the mediums were. Mm -hmm. So I was very much in two minds about it. I desperately wanted to think that he still survived because 
he'd been such a force of nature and the feeling that he was no more was just devastating. But I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, The first medium I went to was not a success. And, And she ended up being sort of quite cross with me because I was saying no, no, when she was saying things. Um, I just didn't feel that she was on the right wavelength at all. I didn't feel that she got through to Patrick at all. Um, Patrick was my husband. Mm -hmm. And then um, about two months or so after he had died, I thought I'll try again with a medium. And I went onto the internet and I found a medium sort of about one and a half hours drive away. Um, And so I rang her up and I said, hi, my name's Louise. My husband died in February and I'd like to come and see you to see if I can make contact. So she said, hi. Um, Yeah, that might be a bit too soon, really, just a couple of months. But, oh, he died in the middle of February, didn't he? And I said, yes. And then she said, ah, he died on the 16th of February. Mm. And I said, well, no, no. He lost consciousness on the 16th. And he was in a coma from then until the 18th when he actually died. And then this medium said, no, well, he's telling me he died on the 16th. That's what I'm writing down. That's when his spirit left. Yeah. Well, and I thought it can't even be telepathy, not that telepathy is explicable, because if she'd asked me, I'd have said, no, he died on the 18th. Mm -hmm. But she somehow knew that he had died on the 16th. And, you know, I was thinking, goodness, there are 28 days in February. That's amazing. And she knew nothing about me at all apart from the fact that my name was Louise and my husband had died. She didn't know my surname or anything. So then I went to see her the next week. And again, it was quite extraordinary. I mean, I ended up thinking, yes, yeah, she really is in touch with him. or Mm. He's in touch with her. Um, You know, she described him very, very accurately. And I'll give you a couple of examples. She said, oh, why is he showing me a cornflower? She didn't say a flower or flowers. She said a cornflower. And I thought that's incredible because, in fact, when we'd got married, Patrick had worn a cornflower in his buttonhole. And if you like, the cornflower had been our flower for the wedding. Mm. Um, And I thought, that's amazing. And then she said, oh, he's pointing at his feet. He's wearing slippers and he's laughing. And I understood that as well, because the funeral director had asked me to send some clothes to put on the body in the coffin. And I thought about it. I thought, what shall I send? 
And I thought, well, actually, he was happiest when he was outside mucking around, you know. So I sent his sort of country clothes. Um, but then I looked at his boots and I thought, they'd be very heavy for him. Hmm. And I thought, his slippers would be more comfortable. Hmm. So I sent his slippers to put wow. on his feet. Wow. So he was wearing quite a strange ensemble, if you like, hmm. you know, his outside country clothes and his slippers. And so, yeah, you know, of course he would have laughed about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he is still around. Maybe he is. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, as I said, my friends were sort of getting in touch with me saying, hey, Louise, this has happened, that has happened. I think it's Patrick. Um, the first friend to get in touch with me was a friend who is psychic. She's, she's a healer. And in fact, you know, she, she knew Patrick and me well. And um, about five days after he had died, she got in touch with me and she said, Louise, I don't really know whether I should tell you this or not, but this morning... I was thinking about Patrick and I was hoping that he was okay. And I asked him to send me a sign. And I asked him to send me a flame, not in a fireplace and not a candle, but a flame. Hmm. And um, she said, then I went about my day and I had a busy day and I sort of rather forgot all about it. And then this evening I went to close the curtains And out of the window, I could see in the neighbour's garden a tall, thin flame. It was very strange. She said, I rushed and took a photograph, and here's the photograph. And she sent me a photograph. And you could see the neighbour's fence, and then behind it, this tall, thin flame. Mm -hmm. And because the fence was in the way, you couldn't quite see what was causing the flame. And anyway... She said, quite soon after, the flame just died away. And she said, I'm sure that that was Patrick saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird flame. And she did send me the photograph and I could see it. And I could mm-hmm. see it. It was a, a weird, unusual flame. But, oh, you know, again, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then we had the funeral. Uh, and I've got very, very clouded memories of that. Mm-hmm. Lots of people came, which was lovely, and and it was awful. Um, and then this same friend, she contacted me the next day, and she said, hey, Louise, when I was driving home from the funeral, I was listening to the radio, and I thought, oh, I'll ask for another sign. And so she said, hey, Patrick, can you get a cheap trick? I want you to want me played so I can hear it. And I personally had never heard of cheap trick and I'd never heard of this song, I want you to want me. And apparently um, 
my friend Jenny, she she chose it because she said she liked it, but she'd never ever heard it broadcast in in the UK. Hmm. I don't I don't know how regularly it's played in America. So she carried on driving home, and it didn't appear on the radio. Um, and when she got home, you know, she turned off the radio and just had the evening. But the next morning, she went to collect her parents from the railway station. They were going to stay. And as she was waiting on the platform over the station tannoy, they suddenly played, I want you to want me. Wow. Wow. And, yeah, that's what she thought too. That's absolutely what she thought. So, you know, I heard this and I thought, well, wow, but... Who knows? Um, and another friend who had been a very good friend to both of us, she contacted me and she said, you know, I've been thinking of Patrick and something happened to the lights and it must have been Patrick. Um, she had found both bedside lights on and they had not been on and nobody had been in the house all day. And she'd got back and she'd found that they'd both been switched on on either side of the bed. Um, and she said, you know, I've been thinking about him a lot and I've been asking for a sign. I'm sure that's what it was. Mm. And um, I heard this and I thought, hmm, well, okay, maybe. But then... You know, I'm not getting any signs. I haven't noticed anything odd. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it now, I suspect that I was so deeply immersed in grief that it would have been difficult to get through to me at all. But, you know, that's just my interpretation now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first sign I got was I was going to get a train. And I thought, actually, somebody suggested to me, they said, well, why don't you ask to see a feather on the train? So I said, okay. So I said, Patrick, you know, if you are around, darling, please may I see a feather on the train? And um, the next day, I got this train, and it was quite crowded, but I could see two vacant seats at the far end of the carriage. So I sort of went up to them and sat down, very pleased I got a seat. And I glanced down at the seat next to me, and there was a feather Mm. on the seat. Wow. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yeah, it was well, you know, Brian, it was well because there was absolutely nothing that, you know, could have created a feather Mm -hmm. there. 
And in fact, another time, and this is a few months later, I was on a train and um, I was talking to the woman who was sitting opposite. Uh, there was a table between us and I'd been reading and then we got talking. And um, it turned out she was a widow and it then turned out that she had had some signs from her husband. And so we were talking about it. And then she said, oh, look. And this hermetically sealed compartment suddenly produced a feather which floated down onto my book as we were talking. Wow. And she said, well, that's a sign, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So there, there we were. And I still sort of had cognitive dissonance, if you like. And part of me thought, yes, yes, Patrick is around. And part of me thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It's sort of unlikely. Um, and then the WhatsApps started. Now, in the UK, sort of everybody uses WhatsApp. And I don't think it's quite so well used in the US. No, it's it's a, no, it's a sort of, it's um, a texting app. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is you can also create groups. So, you know, I've got a family group and anybody in the family, they can post on this um, family group. And they post photographs and messages and things and we can all see it. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a texting app. Mm-hmm. And um, so one day I left my phone in the kitchen and the house was empty um and when I got back to the house sort of I don't know half an hour maybe an hour later um I found on my phone that the text box to send a, a whatsapp to um Maria was absolutely full of words. I mean, words and words and words and words. And some, most of them, I suppose, were words I recognized, but some were not hmm. words. Um, it, it, it just, it looked very garbled. It looked gobbledygook, really. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how did that get there? And I was very perplexed. And I was about to delete it all. And then I thought, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just send it to Maria and just ask her what she thinks. And Maria, I should say, was yet another, a third medium, um, whom I'd been in touch with because I'd asked for a reading. And in fact, very strange things and orbs, flights and stuff had um, occurred around her as soon as I'd been in touch with her. So anyway, so I sent this to Maria and said, hey, you know, I found this in the message box ready to send to you. Didn't know how it got there. What do you think? And she said, no idea. No idea at all. Hmm. And so that was that. But then the next day, 
she sent me a WhatsApp and said, hey, Louise, look what I found on my phone in my message box ready to send to you. And there was sort of a paragraph, I suppose. Some of it was a bit gobbledygook. There were some random phrases or words. But three times it said, darling, it's me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Patrick called me darling, you know. that. So, so I didn't know what to think. I was thrilled. But then, you know, the little suspicious bit of me, the lawyer, if you like, thought, mm -hmm. well... I don't know how those first words arrived on my phone, but Maria could have decided just to, for some inexplicable reason, you know, trick me somehow. She could have, she could have done it and made it up. And I didn't think it was likely because Maria seemed a lovely, very genuine woman. Um, I think she is. But, you know, I was... I was suspicious just because it also didn't seem likely that somebody who had passed was able to manipulate WhatsApp, so they would send texts. Mm -hmm. And over the next month or so, Maria found more and more of these sort of messages. And some of them sort of contained stuff which she wouldn't have known, but which really, really made sense to me. So I was, I was beginning to think, goodness, Patrick could somehow send WhatsApps, texts, if you like, through the ether. This is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, but it was in August that then I knew for sure. And I can tell you exactly the time. It was August 6th, which happened to be the birthday of his daughter. Hmm. And I was out walking the dog and the phone was in my pocket. And I got back, I pulled the phone out of my pocket and WhatsApp had gave me two notifications notifying me that I had created at 11.06 a.m. two WhatsApp groups, one called Hamlin's, one called Hamlin Family, one consisting of me and Patrick, one consisting of his daughter, Patrick, and me. Hmm. And do you know what, Brian? I stared at the phone. I stared at this notification and I knew that I had not done it. I knew that the phone had been in my pocket while I'd been walking the dog. And I thought, it's Patrick. It really is Patrick. It's Patrick saying, hi, hi, I've been trying to contact you. Yeah, I'm still alive in spirit. Now, I was staying with one of my sons at the time, 
and that son is a lawyer. Um, and um, like his mother, like his father, um, and he's very sceptical. And he spent a long time trying to work out how these groups could have been created by somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, how my phone could somehow have been hacked. And he really, really worked hard trying to find what he would have called a rational explanation. And in the end, he had to admit defeat. And he said, do you know what, Mum? There is no rational explanation for those WhatsApp groups. You must be right. Hmm. It was Patrick. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. And do you know what? That completely altered my worldview. And that made me think that's wonderful because he's still alive in spirit. And it does mean that when I die, I can be with him again. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was so consoling. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And I was still you know, deep in grief and still was finding it very, very difficult and sad. But just, just knowing that he was still alive in spirit was, oh, just so wonderful. It really was. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe that NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. That is an incredible story. I just, I, I was covered with goosebumps like most of the time you were telling it. Um, it sounds like Patrick is a fantastic communicator. Um, he's persistent, uh, you know, and as you said, you know, you were talking about getting signs early on. The thing is, if we're not looking for signs, if we're not aware, then we don't know. You might you you see a flame, it's just a flame. You hear a song, it's just a song. You see a feather, it's just a feather. It's when we have that connection with them and we and we understand that connection that that ordinary event becomes becomes a sign. Um, it's it's the timing of the things and the significance of it. So, uh, you know, kudos to Patrick for continuing to 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 come through. Uh, to various people until he was able to get to you. That's that's, ama- that's amazing. Yes, he was. I mean, as I said, he was an alpha male. He was a very determined man. Mm-hmm. And um, it must have been so frustrating for him, you know, trying to get through to me and me just carrying on being sceptical and loyally, if you like. Um, but it, it, he was not the sort of man who would ever give up. 
And right. he was obviously, he was obviously on a mission. Right. So, yeah. um, so, and then it's interesting that you said you went to a couple of meetings and the first one didn't work out. So what made you decide to go to another one? Well, because I was just desperate to try and sort okay. of, um, communicate with him. And, you know, I think the thing about mediums, as I say in my book, um, there are, I think there are some amazing mediums out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there are also some people who are less amazing. Absolutely. And, and you know, you've got to look out for charlatans as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the first one I saw was a charlatan, but she certainly wasn't in touch with Patrick. And um, I just thought, okay, this has not been a good experience, but I will, I'm persistent as well, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's something, you know, it's really interesting to me about people that we, and it's good to be skeptical. It's, it's fine to be skeptical. And I, and I I like your lawyerly approach to things. Um, But uh, there's something about us. I think when that, when that person, that really significant person, and our life crosses that it makes us really question that that thing that says, okay, we don't go on. You know, it's 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 interesting for me. It was my daughter. You know, I I've always kind of believed in an afterlife, but when my daughter was fifteen and she passed away, when it, when you a spouse loses a spouse or a parent loses a child, then it's like, okay, well now I have to know. It's no longer an academic exercise. It's like I have to know. Totally, totally. And I mean, what was lovely from my point of view was that I continued to get signs from Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that he was sending me signs for probably about two years. He died, what, three and a half years ago now. And I don't think I've had a sign from him for the last year or so. Um, but it was lovely that he carried on sending me love and reassurance, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think he realized, you know, how grief stricken I was. Yeah. Uh, and how I just needed the love and the reassurance. So what are some of the other things that you did besides the signs and mediums to, to start to cope with your grief? Cause that's, that's, tough it's tough coming out of that and what you said was completely normal that the fog that we have at the beginning the shock um and then that it seems like a dream when we think about it even now yeah no you're you're quite right um right well i i spent a lot of time out in the garden and i've i've got quite a big garden and there's a and it's on a slope and there's a summer house up at the top of the garden mm. and and there are lovely views from the summer house and also you can't see any houses from the summer house it's just countryside and it's very quiet up there and i spent hours and hours just sitting there out in nature um which really helped um, and nobody would nobody you know could come and bother me at the summer house. I was just, I was there with my dog. I found that meditation really helped. Hmm. And I read a lot. Um, I read a lot about, you know, whether there was an afterlife and um, 
one of the things that a lot of books said was that it was good to meditate because it raised your vibrations and so made you more open to signs and things. Mm -hmm. And to be frank, I didn't really understand what that meant, but I I meditated. Mm. And I, I found that this terrible churning inside me could be calmed while I was meditating which was good. So I did a lot of meditation. Hmm. What I also found um, was that the only way I could survive was by living just in the moment. And again, you know, we all know that that's what you're meant to do for a happy, successful life. And we all know that it's incredibly difficult to do that. Um, But I found that I couldn't look back and think back because that was just too sad to think what I'd lost. So I just couldn't let myself think back. I certainly couldn't let myself think forward because a future without Patrick was utterly terrifying. Mm. It just seemed so bleak, so forlorn. So the only thing I could do was just concentrate on this morning or this afternoon and I could just think to myself okay it's morning and in two hours time it's lunchtime and I've just got to get through to lunchtime just got to think I've got to get through to lunchtime Mm -hmm. and that was that was what I did for a long long time I only thought about just getting through the now and that helped Mm -hmm. And then what I gradually found was that um, it was lovely to talk to people when they talked to me about Patrick. What I found incredibly hurtful was when I talked to people and they didn't mention it. And I mean, I met somebody at the school gates. I was picking up a grandchild. Um, just two or three weeks after Patrick had died and she didn't say a word and I was so hurt and distressed and then I saw her again a little later and she said oh I didn't like to say anything in front of the children I'm sorry about Patrick Um, and I thought how ridiculous. The children know he's died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't sort of whitewash what has happened. And still, there are people who don't mention him. Other people do. And they'll quite casually sort of say in the conversation, oh, it's so funny, do you know, Patrick would have loved that. Or, oh, do you remember when Patrick did this? And, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it when people still bring him into the conversation mm-hmm. and and still show that he's he's present in in their minds and lives as well. I think that's really, really helpful. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you just made. A lot of times people are uncomfortable around us, people who are in grief, and they'll say things like, Well, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to make you sad or I don't want to make you think about this person, the person. And it's like, don't you know, we're always thinking about them. 
And, and I've every, almost universally, when I talk to people that are in grief, they're like, I want you to include my loved one as part of the conversation. I'm thinking about them and mention their name casually. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm so sorry about this. It's like, mention them just like they're still here. Mention them like the, the way that they were when they were here. Um, I love, we all love to talk about it. That's why I, I started by asking you, tell me about Patrick. I, I want to know about, I want to know about him because I believe he's here. I believe he's here with us now. Um, and I'm sure he, you know, he's probably going, yay, this is great. This is, this is what you're doing is fantastic. Um, cause you're, you're sharing this story that will help so many other people. You know, when we get these signs and things they're they're for us, but they're not just for us. You know, I, I very strongly feel that he wanted me to write this book. And I just sat down one day when I thought, Actually, I'm going to write it. I'm going to write down what has happened. And I had kept a journal. Um, and I just sat down and wrote it and sent it off to a publisher. And the publisher accepted it straight away. And then you hear, you know, people who A, take ages and ages trying to write a book and then B, finding it very difficult to get it published or and then having to make changes and things. My publisher wanted me to make one change to my manuscript. Somewhere I said, as it were, and they said, please, would you put in an if? So it says, as if it were. Mm. And that was the only change they wanted to make. Oh. And, I, and I thought, this is really easy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is, this is Patrick. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is Patrick opening these doors because he wants the book to be out there. Yeah. And quite right too, because I think that he worked really, really hard, mm-hmm. sort of to convince me um, that his spirit is still around. And I, you know, I, I'd like other people to know. Well, it's it's very generous of you to share it with people, and um, you know, and, and it's really cool. Or, you know, it has more credibility, I think, when when these things come from people who are skeptical who say, who needed to really be convinced. And, um, you know, it's interesting you, you and Patrick both just kind of saying, and I, I love your rational approach to, to not, not having a fear of death. It's like, well, either I I'm going to exist or if I don't exist, there's no point in fearing that because I won't be there to experience it. But, um, so I don't even have to ask you what you believe now, because I can just tell from talking to you that you, that you truly believe that Patrick is still with you and, and still, the spirit survived. Yes, I do. Yeah, and I often, I often feel him. And sometimes when I'm driving, I sort of almost feel as though he's taken hold of the steering wheel. It's a funny feeling, but I do feel that it's almost mm-hmm. his his hands and arms in mine. And that's possibly because he didn't really rate my driving. He didn't yeah. like being driven by me, and <laughs> he used to sort of complain about my driving. So. I think sometimes you must think, oh, golly, I think that I better take charge here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's also interesting you talk about the signs and you said you haven't had many signs over the last year or so. Um, Why do you think that might be? Well, I think it's because from what I can gather, it takes an awful lot of energy and determination for people from the other side to send signs. Mm -hmm. And, And he has sent some extraordinary ones. Um, and I think that probably now he's using his energies in another way. 
May I tell you about one absolutely extraordinary sign I got? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Well, this was, I was playing a game of bridge, which is a card game, and I don't know whether you know how to play it or not, but four people play, and um, you have two packs of cards. Mm -hmm. So you use one pack for the first hand, the second pack for the second hand, and then you get back to the, um, the first pack for the third hand. So we were playing in my pretty empty dining room, and um, we played with the red cards. Then we played with the blue cards. Then it was time to play with the red cards again. And um, Jane, my friend, she was dealing. Um, and she was a card short, which, you know, is not a big deal. She'd obviously missed out. Mm -hmm. So we counted our cards to see who'd got the extra card. Nobody had. Hmm. Oh, that was odd. So we thought, must have somehow dropped on the floor. So we looked on the floor, no card. Very odd. So we looked on our laps, we stood up, we started searching quite seriously. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, we knew that that card had been there when we'd used the, the red cards for the first hand. Mm -hmm. So we knew that we had started with a complete pack. Well, we could not find this card. We searched and searched, could not find this card. And one of my friends who knew about the signs and everything said, well, this must be Patrick. It must be a heart. So we looked to see <clears throat> what the missing card was. Mm -hmm. And it was the nine of hearts. And so they said to me, oh, is that special for you? Is there something special about the nine? And I said, well, no. I mean, if you've been the queen of hearts or the ace of hearts, mm -hmm. but the nine of hearts, no. So anyway, very strange. Um, we had to go get a new pack of cards. And there we were. And I told a friend about this a couple of days later. And this friend does tarot which, you know, I know nothing about. And nor, may I say, did Patrick before he passed. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, the friend said, oh, Louise, the nine of hearts. I mean, that's the nine of cups in tarot. And that is the very best card of all. It's, mm. the, it's a card which represents the deepest, most enduring love. Oh, wow. She, she said that's... Absolutely the best possible card. Wow. And, um, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm assuming you never found the card? Well, over a year later, it suddenly turned up. Oh, wow. Uh, and it, we had scoured that room searching for it, mm -hmm. and it had not been there. And then a, a year later, it suddenly appeared again. Wow. Um, so yeah, amazing. You know, the, it, so Patrick not only can do, I, I, don't, I forgot the term. There's a, there's a term called apports. So that's when they yes. can materialize things here. So the feather coming in in the train sounds like an airport. There's also a term where they take things away and I forgot what that term is. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's happened around our house where like I've been looking and looking and looking for something and then I'll go back and look again. And then suddenly it's there. 
you know, or one time my wife and I were looking for something and I walked downstairs and it was just laying on the couch. It was like, there's no reason that should be laying on the couch. So, yeah. 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 There were, I mean, when this card reappeared, it absolutely and totally had not been there for a year, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. suddenly it did. And, um, and I mean, a couple of times he made books fly off a bookshelf. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and the first time it happened, I was in bed. It was about two o'clock in the morning. I was sort of feeling sad and lonely and thinking about him and, you know, wishing he were with me. And there was suddenly this almighty thump just outside my bedroom door. And I was alone in the house. And I was terrified. And I lay there frozen with fear. Nothing more happened. So in the end, I very bravely sort of got out of bed and turned on the light and went out into the landing. And a book had flown out from the top of the bookshelf in the landing and had landed with this huge thump um, just on the floor outside my bedroom door. Mm -hmm. And there was absolutely no rational reason for it to have done that. You know, it seemed inexplicable other than it was Patrick saying, look, don't worry, darling, I'm still around. I'm still here. Yeah. yeah. And it was, happened again another time. Yeah. So the, the signs are really amazing. And I was going to ask you, but you've already kind of answered it, because I think sometimes with the signs, they do tend to kind of drop off. But I think it's as we're actually making that connection with the other person's spirit. And so I was going to ask you, have you have you do you feel like. Do you feel Patrick with you now? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it gives me a lovely feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That, I, often, I often feel him sort of beside me in bed. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's lovely. It's really yeah. lovely. Yeah, I think that I think the signs are kind of a way to to wake us up to open our eyes to like, they're still here. But with, I think what they really want is to make that connection with us. Uh, and I, I've noticed it's funny because um, I, I've talked to a lot of mediums. I have a lot of mediums that are friends because of what I do. And I've done a little bit of mediumship development myself just casually. And I'll say to people, well, I don't get as many signs from Shana as I used to. And they'll say, well, do you hear from her? And what I realize is like, I feel her all the time now. You know, it's just, I feel like, like she's just like part of me. And so I, I don't, I, I still get the signs are still really cool. I mean, I still get great signs, but I don't need them as much as I used to. That's really interesting because I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, that makes sense. It really does. And yeah, I, I feel Patrick around me all the time, really. And yeah, yeah. And so maybe... Yeah. That's why he sent the signs so that then I would be open to that feeling. Yeah, I think sometimes people, I know, sometimes people get discouraged. They'll say, well, I don't get signs. And every, when I talk to them, like, yeah, you're getting them. You just don't recognize them because they'll tell me about something strange has happened. Um, and then I'll hear some people say, well, maybe they've moved on because I'm not getting the signs as much anymore. And my experience is that's not the case at all. It's just, I think our relationship kind of moves to a different level. Um, so my daughter and I, it was, it was dimes. I said, when she passed, I said, I like to find dimes and found lots and lots of dimes. I don't find them as often anymore. I did find one like yesterday. 
Um, and it was that it was feathers and I was fighting. And sometimes I'll think, and I haven't found a feather, you know, in, in quite a while. But as you said, I think it takes a lot of energy for them to do that. We don't we don't understand how that works from the other side, you know. And as and as much as I'm an engineer and I'm trying to figure it out, like your friend with uh, cheap trick, you know. And and there was a there's a song that we have for Shana, and it's not played as much anymore because she passed seven years ago. But we still hear it sometimes, and it's like you know, how does that happen? Um, but it's like, do they put the thought in your head? Because they know the song's coming up, or do they make the you know song play? But we don't know. We don't understand how that side works. But it does seem to take a lot of effort um, to do these app ports and stuff. I have no idea how any of it works. And I started reading all about quantum mechanics and physics and mm-hmm. you know, and all the books I could find, trying to understand how everything works. And I can't. All I know is that somehow our spirit survives and somehow spirit can manipulate things and move things and can communicate with us. I love that you're open to that. You know, I found that some people, I was just talking with someone this morning about consciousness and i'm like and there's this big debate you know what is consciousness and then some people actually come to the conclusion which i find to be crazy since we can't define consciousness and we can't understand it it must be an illusion um so they just reject the idea that consciousness even exists and there are people that will sign like signs or like mediums they'll say well because we don't understand how it works therefore it can't be true but Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, I've read all these books about consciousness and, you know, um, and what I what I would say to people who, who say that sort of thing, and I know lots of people who say that sort of thing, is, well, hang on, we can't begin to understand quantum physics. Right. We, we can't begin to understand entanglement or how these fields work, but we we know that they do. Scientists know they do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just because you don't, don't understand something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, the thing is, here we are talking. You're you're in England. I'm in Ohio. I can see your face. We're talking through wireless everything. You know, and if you if you took this technology back a hundred years and said to someone, "This is going to happen," they would say that's literally impossible. There's yeah. no way that you can see someone's image from across the world. There's no way that you can communicate without wires. Um, it would have been impossible given that level of technology. So what I, I say to people is there is no supernatural. There's just what we don't understand yet. Um, yes. So. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that indeed. And that's that's so true. And, and you know what? One of the reasons I wrote the book was because I wanted to validate for people the experiences that they have had because talking to a lot of bereaved people as I have since Patrick died I discovered that a lot of people have actually had signs but haven't dared tell anybody about them for fear of being thought crazy Mm -hmm. and you know and when I then start talking about the signs that I have had 
then they'll open up and they'll say, well, actually, yeah, you know, I had this sign, and but I've never told anybody about it. Yeah. And I would like it all to be part of just general daily discourse and for, for people to recognize that it's it happens yeah. and it's not crazy. I, I that's totally my goal. That's the reason why I do what I do. And I, and I appreciate people like yourself because I found I've had the same experience. You know, I, since Shane has passed, I share signs with people, people I've known for literally over 20 years. I will start to tell me stories about like when their when their father died, when they were a child or when their mother died or experience they had in college or, you know, and, and it's like, but they've never shared it because they don't feel like they have permission to. Um, because our society says, well, you must be crazy or it's wishful thinking. Um, you know, mediums aren't real. Psychics aren't real. Um, so that can't be true. Yeah. And actually, can I, may I tell you another story about Please. another medium? Yeah. Because I found this quite extraordinary. So um, I saw this medium um, and this was about, this was actually just last year. And, you know, I've, I've, I don't need to see mediums so often now, but last year I hadn't seen one for about a year. And I thought, actually, it'd be jolly nice to sort of, you know, have a, have a chat with Patrick. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I arrived and, and the woman said, um, oh, there's a, uh, there's, I've got a woman here. I didn't really want a woman. I wanted Patrick. I said, oh. And um, the medium said, oh, she's she's dark. She's very forthright. Um, She's quite quite small, very determined. Um, Yeah, she's a sort of, you know, woman who would want her own way. Um, Oh, she's your mother-in-law. And I said, no, no. My mother-in-law was very gentle and was blonde and no, that so isn't my mother-in-law. And anyway, the medium and I had a bit of a standoff because the medium kept on saying, yeah, she's your mother-in-law. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. And um, in the end, the medium said, okay, well, we'll park that. And as she said that, I suddenly thought, oh, Actually, she could be Patrick's mother. And when the medium had been talking to me about my mother-in-law, I was thinking about the mother of my first husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I was thinking that because I'd known her and I'd been very fond of her. Um, I'd never met Patrick's mother because she had died before I'd met Patrick. Mm -hmm. But from everything that Patrick said, this description of the woman totally fitted his mother. Wow. And what I just thought was extraordinary was that A, the medium knew, even though I didn't. Right. Um, you know, and the medium, she wasn't going to back down. She said, no, it's your mother-in-law. Um, and I thought, how extraordinary that somebody I've never met has come to mm-hmm. talk to me. And in fact, the medium said, oh, she's all dressed up as if she's going to a wedding. Is there a wedding in the family? And I said, yes, there is going to be one. 
And um, so the medium said, well, yeah, yeah. She's saying how happy she is about that. Wow. But I just thought it was extraordinary. And it just shows that, you know, that medium was so genuine. She knew better than me who my mother-in-law was. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and that's why mediums sometimes I have to stick to their guns because sometimes we don't know. You know, we we don't we are interpreting one way, and there and it also shows the the continuity of life and how you know his mother, even after she passed, after all those years, was still involved in his life. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's that's it's so encouraging you know to think about um and it's also interesting people you know it's happened with me i've had i've had lots and lots of readings again because of what i do and people will come through that i've never met you know but they're they're still involved in my life or people that that may have passed a very long time ago that never met my daughters that are that are with them now with my with my daughter now who's in spirit so it's uh it's all really fascinating you know and it's and I'm, and I'm really so glad that you put this out into the world you said because people need that validation and i really my my true belief is most of the problems we have in our society is because people don't know who we are they don't understand that we are eternal beings that we that we don't die that we will see each other again that our loved ones we think are gone are still with us and I think that would change everything if this was just like normal conversation. Yes, I think you're right. Um, and well, let's hope that, you know, your podcasts and my book and other people's efforts as well can actually just bring this into the general conversation. It's getting there. You know, it's, I have, I'll tell you one quick story. I had a friend that she was a total skeptic. And she said, Brian, send me to the best medium you know, because I'm going to prove for once and for all, this isn't real. Long story short, she went to see my friend. She used a different credit card, a different name, everything. My friend just kind of blew her away. And she goes, okay, well, now I believe. So then I started feeding her some more evidence, you know, near-death experiences and studies on mediumship and afterlife communications like you've had, stuff like that. And she came back to me. She said, why didn't I know any of this was out there? You know, and, and people will say to me, and I've had people say, there's no evidence for any of this. And I'm like, there's so much evidence. There's just so much, but we don't consider it to be mainstream at this point. And so again, your, your book, um, it's just one, one more uh, indication to people that people can read it and say, Oh, okay, this makes sense. And yeah, this has been my experience too. I thought I was crazy. I thought it was just a coincidence. Yes. Yes. Um, and it does, doesn't it? It just puts everything in perspective. And I mean, isn't it lovely to know that your daughter is sort of still with you? My husband is still with me. Mm -hmm. We will be reunited again at some stage. And, you know, people, all the people we've loved are still around. And it's, it's reassuring. It also means that if you sort of, you know, make some wrong choices, make a bit of a mess of this life, it's okay because it's not it's not all you've got. Right. You'll carry on existing afterwards. So I suspect that, you know, our time in this particular life is only a very small part of our overall existence. Well, this um, life, yeah. 
And that's good. Yeah, this life is is it's fleeting, you know. Um, it, when you're and it's it's really important for people to understand. You said some really um, profound things, and one of the things is you talked about that early grief. When people are in that, they feel like it's going to be like this forever, and they say, "I can't go on because I can't live like this forever." And I I want I always assure people, it will not be like this forever if you don't want it to be. You can work your way through that that fog and that that I can't go on type of thing. Um, and it's one moment at a time, you know, I was, I was there too. And I would tell people, don't talk to me about the future. If someone mentioned anything more than a week away, it would just irritate me. It would just, I was like, I don't want to think about that. Um, but you get through, you know, you get through that one day at a time and then you start to put it in perspective and you realize nothing is permanent. So that's, that's good. And it's bad. Enjoy the, the, the joy that we have here because it's a really joyful place. But when you're going through pain, that's temporary too. Yes. And as I've said, it's three and a half years now since Patrick died. And the first the first two years were hard. They were hard. Um, and you know now I enjoy life again. Um, I feel happiness again. And I never thought in a million years that I would be able to say that after he died. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. But I do. And I don't know what the future holds for me. No idea. Um, I feel it's a bit like an open book. But I'm sort of looking forward to the rest of my life. And I don't know how long that will be. And I don't really mind because I'm not scared of death anymore. Um, but I, I know that I can enjoy what is left to me. And I think that it's incredible in a way that I'm able to say that when the person I loved sort of more than myself is no longer with me in body, but I can say that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, Louise, um, we're, we're running out of time here. I'd like for you to tell people where they can reach you, make sure people know the name of your book uh, that's available now. I want to make sure we get that in, and I'll put it in the show notes as well, but I'd like to say it on the air as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you can buy the book from anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your, your local bookshop. It is called WhatsApps from Heaven, and it's by me, Louise Hamlin. And um, yeah, I would be very pleased if you were to buy it. Yeah, I think I think people will really enjoy it. It sounds it sounds fascinating. And thanks to you and thanks to Patrick uh, for, for being there to and being persistent and, and being a great spirit communicator. Louise, it's been a pleasure having you today. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you very much, Brian. I've really enjoyed talking to you. All right. Have a great rest of your day. And do.
bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grieftogrowth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.